0: All right, so message two, Parenting on Purpose. Um, i got to say something to you who are grandparents or not parents yet. I think if you're going to be tempted maybe to blow this off and go, sit on your laurels, you know, and go, ah, that used to be our problem, but now we are free of <laughs> such things. And, and I'm going to tell you that I think that that's a mistake for a couple of reasons. The, the fact is God probably will put you in a position where you can give wisdom to somebody else don't jam it down their throats if you're in that place but but I think it's that sharing thing and the other thing is that you have a role as grandparents many of you and and it's to be supportive to parents and I think what you're doing here tonight is going to clue you in on what parenting is really about so I want you to pay kind of attention to that. And those of you who aren't parents yet, I know, you maybe have to file it away for a future date. I'm really glad you're here. At least you'll know what your parents are trying to do to you when we're finished with this, okay? Because tonight, tonight we're going to talk about the disciplines of disciplining. And uh, so this might have a little bit of a feel like a parenting seminar more than a a sermon, um, but it's, it's really not. And I'll explain why in a couple of minutes, why I don't think that's the case. So I want to show you a video. I'm not showing you a video right now TO GO, OH, THESE ARE PEOPLE YOU SHOULD FOLLOW. I JUST WANT YOU TO SEE WHAT HAPPENS IN THE REAL WORLD AND um, at AT LEAST IN THE DIGITAL WORLD. WATCH THIS.
1: TOMMY JORDAN. Tommy Jordan quickly became internet famous after he posted a video shooting his 15-year-old daughter's laptop with a 45 caliber gun and using several rounds. Jordan was mad after his daughter posted a note on Facebook complaining about her responsibilities. So, Jordan posted his own rebuttal of the note, all while calling his daughter an ass and smoking a cigarette. The video went viral and Jordan was visited by a social worker, as well as police, who gave him parenting tips while supposedly congratulating him on a lesson well-taught. Jessica Beagley. Jessica Beagley submitted videos of her adopted son's behavior as well as her punishments to the Dr. Phil show as a way to get help with her son's behavior. The gesture ended up backfiring, though, as she ended up facing misdemeanor charges. Beagley's punishments included putting hot sauce in her son's mouth as well as making him stand in a freezing cold shower. Christy Prado. Christy Prado nearly found herself in prison after she forced her 10-year-old son to wear makeup and dress up in women's clothing after he had wet the bed. Christy took a photo and posted it on Facebook even though it showed her son having tears streaming down his face. Then she made her son run around outside while onlookers laughed at him. If that wasn't enough, her son was then forced to take a cold shower while Christy and her roommate threw ice at him. Charges were eventually dropped with police citing there wasn't enough evidence to charge, but her son remained at his grandmother's house. Holding Books In 2014, a young man was caught stealing, and so his father bestowed a punishment that seemed a bit different from the traditional lecture, or even spanking. He forced his son to hold several books over his head. The task was probably pretty easy at first, but then we see the son screaming in pain while the father lectures his son on making better choices and being more respectful to authority figures. The punishment received mixed reactions, especially since the video was made public, adding public humiliation to the son's torture. Francis Henna. Frances Hanna made headlines after she forced her daughter Jamie to wear a sign on a street corner in Bakersfield, California with a sign that read, "I was disrespecting my parents by twerking at my school dance." Do we mention that Jamie was only 11 years old? Hanna got ripped up by the public saying that it was shameful to publicly humiliate a child when there were other ways to discipline her, not to mention the potential harassment her daughter was exposed to. Antonia Folsom Antonia Folsom wasn't happy when her 13-year-old son missed his 9 p.m. curfew and came home 15 minutes late. She decided to lock her son out of the house and told her 15-year-old daughter not to let him in. Instead, she made her son sleep outside on the concrete patio and his sister gave him a blanket and pillow. The next morning, the 13-year-old called the police and Folsom was arrested for deprivation of a minor. Good Parenting In 2015, a video went viral online that was uploaded by a dad who was done with his son's failing grades. He gave his son only three weeks to improve his academic performance, but failed to do so. As punishment, he gave his son a sledgehammer and forced him to destroy his Xbox, all while using foul language and public humiliation. After the first Xbox is destroyed, the dad then brings in an Xbox One and once again forces his son to destroy it. All the while, his son is crying.
0: So, a couple of questions. The first one is this. We're going to do this together as a group. What did you feel as you watched this video? And you can just tell me the emotions. Go ahead. and t- Nauseated. Nauseated, okay. Humiliation. Humilia- humiliation, so kind of sympathy for the kids a little bit. What was the other one? Sad. Sad. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. <laughs> to your parenting or your childhood? <laughs> okay. So, you know... Anybody feel defensive for the parents, or is it just like let's condemn them? Okay, let me move on. The second question is this: um, It's for parents. What if our worst parenting moments were on YouTube? Can you? Can how many of you go? I wouldn't even come to church anymore <laughs> if my worst parenting moment was on YouTube, and I can tell you that that I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So that's where I want to start, just going. What we're gonna talk about tonight and this whole discipline thing is I'm just telling you, it's the hardest part. It's holding your baby is not that hard, getting up in the middle of the night and feeding them isn't that hard. It is the hardest part is raising your kids when you don't when you want to modify their behavior. When you need to deal with your behavior. And this is why we're talking about the disciplines of disciplining, because if we don't discipline we're not going to be ready for the hard part if we don't have the disciplines down of how we behave, how we act through it. And the basic thesis of tonight is that to discipline a child well, I have to be very disciplined. To discipline a child well, I have to be in control of me. I have to be very disciplined. So last week... I said that, um, I talked about the Bible a little bit, and I said that what the Bible does well is it speaks to purpose far more than the techniques of of parenting. And I think that's because even parenting has a lot of cultural changes and shifts depending on what culture you're in. Uh, You know, we're in such a different world today. It It cannot say in the Bible, and a very effective means of discipline is to take away screen time. They didn't have screens, you know, so that would be a technique of discipline, but but the Bible has some things to say about discipline, but it even has more to say about purpose. And, and then I want to also bring up the fact that Proverbs is a place where often people go to for verses about parenting. Proverbs is like this huge book, just one book, but it's a huge book of wise sayings that are like pearls of wisdom, but they aren't very well connected together all the time. A few of the books kind of have a stream of thought, but then you end up talking about this, like a sentence and another sentence and another sentence, and the topics just go all, it's all great and all fascinating, but somebody should have organized it, is what I'm saying. And and it's good. So that's Proverbs, but there's, there's some verses in there that speak to parenting. Let me just show you one, Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So if we put that into Doug Mather's words, it means this. Parents who love their children raise their children. They raise them. They're proactive. Raising kids requires discipline. Discipline in myself and disciplining my, my children. Now, I am going to play a little bit of a Proverbs game with this message. This message may feel a little confusing to you because throughout the message, I'm going to throw in Proverbs that are not in the Bible, but I made them up. They're that good. Okay? So they are going to be parental proverbs by D.M. You'll notice that. It's my own, my own Bible. I'm writing it. It is not the Word of God. It's just really wise stuff that I thought of. Okay, so so here's your first one. We don't have children. We raise children into adulthood. We don't have children... This is what we do every time we do a child dedication, right? We go, God, remember. We remember today that our child is a gift from you, a responsibility. And the truth is it's not our child. It's it's a responsibility from you. You love this. This is your child. But they're not mine to have and to own. They're mine to raise. And then we... Dedicate ourselves. We we say this is your child. We dedicate ourselves to raising that child in ways that honor you, that give this child the very very best chance at knowing you, knowing about you, and, and receiving you, right? So we don't have children. We raise children into adulthood. They're not really ours. And I know we're not going to change the way we talk about our kids, our kids, right? We're not going to change that. But our mindset should be a little bit different. So the motivation to discipline. When you saw the video tonight what was the primary motivation of each of those parents in their discipline? What were they trying to achieve? Change behavior. behavior. I'm going to give you another word for that. Compliance. Compliance. I want my kid to do what I want them to do. This is what compliance is. Getting the child to do what, what we want him or her to do. Right? Can you think of anything that some of the parents or kids in the room that you go, My parents want me to comply by, or I want my kid to. What would be some of the things that you go, I just want compliance. That's all I want here. Say it again. Okay. What else? Show respect. Show respect. Help with the dishes. Take the garbage out. Brush your teeth. Yes. Do your homework. Okay, we could go on all night with this, right? It's a good, but that's what it is. We just want compliance, and how we're going to. And when they when they don't do it, we get a little frustrated, and we start to go. Am I a good parent? My children aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So here's what I want to get. And this is going to seem, seem counterintuitive. I want to give you some good news. I think it's good news. Ready? Compliance is relatively easy. Compliance is relatively easy. I know it doesn't feel that way, but but here's the thing. If you want compliance, all you have to do is power up. All you got to do is take out a bigger hammer. All you got to do is be bigger than them. By the way, our children come to us, and you already have this huge gap of power between you and them, right? It's a baby. has no power. Wherever it goes is where you take it. Wherever you leave it, there it is. Right, and it's a beautiful thing about the first six weeks. You put the child down, you walk away, you come back, and it is still there. It hasn't done anything. By the way, it only lasts six weeks. And use the burrito wrap, okay? That's how I we wrapped our kids up, right? And so when they get a little bit older, you go, "Well, I'm going to make you. How are you going to make me? I'm going to. I'm bigger than you, and I'm smarter than you. And then you grab the child and you make him go wherever you want him to go. And and so. Now, it sounds like some of you are thinking right now, this sounds really harsh, power up, right? Well, you know what? There, there's times to power up. There's times when this is the best parenting technique there is. You want to know one of those times? It's when safety's on the line. Your kid runs out in the street, and you yell after them, we need to have a parental conf- child conversation. <laughs> no, you don't. You run out there, and you grab the kid, doesn't matter how big they are, and you drag them to the safety of the curb, and then you yell at them. And you know why you yell at them? It's because you love them and you were scared to death. Right? And, and it's not necessarily a great parenting technique, but guess what? The kid lived. Because you powered up and you did what was necessary, and then you tried to instill the fear of God into them about streets and trucks and all those kinds of things. So there's a time when, when their safety is on the line. You know, they go to the park without telling you. Where are they? Where are they? can start looking all around. And they didn't. When they disappeared, you you freak out and you power up and adrenaline is flowing, and that's okay, you know. And then I'm trying to think of another time for powering up. Um, oh, when respect for others is on the line. Right? I, I'll just tell you, we had an issue in my home with my son when he was about 13, 14, 15, 18, 25. He didn't always treat his mother with respect, right? And I'm telling you, that made me power up. In fact, I will tell you that there's, there's, you know, video that I don't want you to see. There's no video of this because it would never make it to Facebook or anything. But there is a a moment where he, had a, he was treating Lori very disrespectfully. And I came in and I was like the Hulk, right? I mean, I know I'm not a big guy, but that day I was. And like, whoa, what are you doing, blah, 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 blah. And he got scared, and he should have been scared. And he ran up the stairs, and he ran to his room, and he closed the door, and he locked the door. And I came up, and I wham on the door, and there is a dent in the door with broken wood from where I hid it, right? Can you imagine that on Facebook, right? We had to sell the house because of that door, (laughs) and we moved I'm not telling you I've done everything right. I'm telling you that just like when you were saying, hey, there's probably some moments on there. And you probably may have worse stories, better stories than that. But, but what was at stake? Why was I so upset? Why, would, why did I power up? It's because he was doing, maybe in my book, the cardinal sin. Lori has to be safe. And he was getting to a size where Lori's safety was in question. And I, now, he loved his mom to death. He would never do anything today. That's how good a parent I am <laughs> that, to hurt her, right? And then there's some things that you've got to power up, and it's not physical power up all the time. It's emotional power up. It's laying down the law kinds of things. But there's non-negotiables. There should be some non-negotiables. Your kids shouldn't run the house, right? Sorry, kids. I'm so sorry for telling your parents this tonight, but there are some things, right? So when you say, hey, everybody's going to be home for dinner at 6 o'clock on this night, it is a non-negotiable. You will be there. It's our family meal, or this, whatever you decide is sacred. And that's kind of the elevation. We're, hey, for Thanksgiving, we're going to Grandma's. I don't want to go to Grandma's. I didn't recall asking for a vote or your opinion. And, and you are do, this is a and you need to learn to say this out loud. This is a non-negotiable. We're not arguing about this. This is we don't want to be nagged when we're there. We're going to this kind of thing. Kid wakes up and he's 13 years old and says, "I'm not going to school anymore. I don't even like it." I don't have any friends. I'm in such pain. They're bullies at that school. Do you go, you know what? I didn't know you were in such pain. Honey, you don't have to go to school anymore. It's okay. I will destroy my life and homeschool you. <laughs> right? Homeschoolers are looking at each other. Wow, did he just say that? <laughs> right? No. School is a non-negotiable. Now, if it's a negotiable for you, then it is. It's like, well, you know what, honey? We have to get you an education, but there are several different ways to go. To get you an education, right? We can—the whole public, private, um, home—I guess you can do computer school now. All those kinds of things. You can make some. Maybe it is negotiable, but getting an education probably isn't. Right? I'm going to tell you one from our our family. So there's an age where our kids kind of get to, and I think this is normal. When church is boring. <laughs> I know. I'm the speaker. I understand. <laughs> right? I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You're This is not a negotiable. This is part of our family. You know what's negotiable? Whether you believe in God or Jesus. That's negotiable. You have a decision to make. But coming to church or doing youth group in our house, you have to make up your own non-negotiables, right? In our house, it was a family value. They didn't vote on it. It was handed down to them from God himself and then to me and then to the family. That's how that worked. Okay, so I'm not saying, all I'm saying is there's non-negotiables, you have to figure out what those are for your family, but I think those are times where you go, we're not, no, this is, I'm powering up a little bit here, this is the way it's it's going to be. Here's what I want you to catch though, in the overall scheme of parenting, those yellow lines represent power-ups, they should be as few and far between as possible, but when you choose an issue that you go, this is a non-negotiable, we are going to power up over this one if we need to, right, and you must win. Parents, you must win because if you say it's a non-negotiable and then you turn it into a negotiable, everything is a negotiable, right? Your word loses meaning and you, 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 if you're going to say it's a non-negotiable and it's worth powering up over, you must win. Now, I just put a gauntlet between you and your kids because they're going, no, they're not going to win. I'm going to win, right? But this is how it should look. And the younger they are, maybe the more it's there because you're hoping to train them out of these things, even even being issues. But there are times when compliance is necessary. It's part of being in a family together. And by the way, you're not making your kids do something that you don't do. You wake up on a Monday morning and you go, I don't feel quite right. I don't think I'm going to go to work today. No, no, no. It's a non-negotiable. You Unless you get a note from the doctor, you're at work. You don't You don't get the privilege of just calling your whole life. And this is real life. This is what we're trying to train our kids for so compliance is necessary but you also need to know it's completely external when you power up you are not changing a child's heart at least not for the good so if you power up too much you're going to do heart damage does make sense to you what i'm what i'm saying some of you you should be thinking about your own childhood you should be thinking of you have some of you had nothing but power up parents and it wounded you to the soul Right, Because it's all external forcing and you don't have any choice and it's a little bit dehumanizing if you're not careful about it. Because that's what I think of those videos. I thought it was dehumanizing to see what they were doing to those kids. Right. So what happens is when someone powers up, the older the child is the worse it gets, by the way, and it's, it's this external forcing and you find yourself um, in this situation where on the outside I'm complying but on the inside... On the inside, something else was going on. I remember one time my I was arguing with my parents for something. I can't remember what it was, but it was probably to go out on a Friday night to places I shouldn't be. And my mom said something, and I was and she she powered up on me. And she won the power-up. And I walked out and I kind of slammed the door. My dad opened the door and he, he goes, Doug, you do not tell your mother to go to hell. And I said, I didn't tell my mother to go to hell. And he goes, not with your mouth. And he nailed it. And now she's in hell. No, she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> she's with Jesus. <laughs> I just thought the story needed a more dark ending. <laughs> um, right? So <laughs> I just thought, Lori, like, my wife is going, <laughs> it's Saturday night. Relax. Nobody's here. <laughs> Right, so, so your kid's on the outside. On the outside, they're complying, but on the inside, they're flipping you off and slamming the door. That's how that, that works. So you've got to be really careful about powering up. You also need to some, know something else about powering up. It is a depreciating asset. Your ability to power up is never going to be stronger than when your children are born. And for the rest of your life, you are losing your power-up gap. Okay, some of you are ahead of me. So so let me just tell you, over time, I mean, this is power-up in the beginning, right? New dad, he's flexing, he's got lots of muscle. Later on, he's just going to be this beat-up old man. (laughs) Atrophy takes place. He can't power up like he used to. His kids just laugh at him, you know, because that's the way it goes. So let (laughs) let me graph this out for you. Quick, get that man off the screen, <laughs> right? So there's the age of the child. The, the beginning, youngest age is on the, on the far left. To the right, the child is 18, okay? Power-based compliancy, your ability to do it goes down over time. Why is that? Because the child is gaining power, and you are losing it. I mean, you're losing it anyway, but you're losing power. <laughs> Right? So, so over time, when you, you tell your three-year-old you need to do X, Y, and Z, and they're like, I'm three years old, I'll do it. They're much bigger than I am. And when they're 15, they're playing Xbox or something, and, and they go, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and how much power-up does it take to get that child to put down the Xbox and stop the game and go do what you just asked them to do? Right? So you're, but over time, it gets, and about age 13, it gets really hard. Right? I'll talk about that just a little bit later on. But you, you all get the idea it's going down the gap. Because why? Because they're becoming adults, because they're getting bigger. That's why Jeremy was a, a little bit of a threat to Lori when he was in his, his bad years, because when he was being disrespectful, I got nervous, because I know how much power he has. And I wanted to prove to him he wasn't as big as he thought he was. I was much bigger, so I overpowered. Maybe I didn't do it right. There is a door that would argue that. Right? <laughs> Right? So, so the motivation for discipline of compliance is real, it's important, and you need to be selective about it. But I want to talk about the, the real purpose of parenting because it's not compliance. Right? Let me, let me read you through a Hebrews passage, passage from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to catch how God treats us a little bit. Here's what it says. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? It's an Old Testament reference. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. By the way, it doesn't sound like a dad, right? Discipline, correction. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, I know when we hear the word punishment, a lot of us have this sort of punishment, punishment. We don't punish our children, we discipline them. Okay, put the word discipline in. It's still going to be a negative experience. It's, we're really talking about a healthy punishment, not an embarrassing, humiliating, or near-death experience. It's not that. It's, it's God shapes the behavior. He pushes against us. Um, and the word here was translated punishment. So he punishes each one and accepts it as a child. As you endure his divine discipline, by the way, that's a really good phrase, isn't it? As you endure it, as you experience it, remember that God is treating you as his own children as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? And I read that, and I thought, I have. I've heard of parents who don't discipline their children. They're apathetic towards their kids. They don't care. They have a laissez-faire style of leadership, which does nothing for the child. And I've heard of that, and it's incredibly unhealthy. It's horrible when when, when parents are not engaged. If God doesn't discipline you, As he does all his children, it means you are all illegitimate and are not really his children at all. In other words, if you're not feeling God confronting you once in a while, if you don't have a sense of God's discipline, if you just think, wow, I'm a Christian and I get to go to heaven now and God leaves me alone until then, something's wrong with your walk with God. There ought to be some nudges and pushing and, and, you know, Doug, I'm not real happy with you right now. You made a joke about your mom in hell. It wasn't funny at all to me. He didn't say that to me, but if he did, I'd have to listen and go, and I'd have to repent. I'd probably have to repent anyway without God. (laughs) i got a funny feeling. (laughs) So if he doesn't discipline you, are you really his kids? Because fathers and mothers discipline, parents discipline their children. They shape their behavior because they love them. Since we respected our earthly fathers, there's an assumption, who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits, in other words, God, and live forever? By the way, if you remember last week, it said there's, that obeying your parents has a promise attached to it of a long life. And there's a reference to that, the father of our spirits. And there's a promise he just made to it, an eternal life that goes with that relationship. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. There's grace in that, isn't there? Because guess what? My dad did some stuff that I go, hmm, that was bad, Dad. I've told the story before. At 15 years old, my brother cheated while we were playing Risk. All the pieces are there. My dad is playing. My other brother and my oldest brother, who's just a cheater by nature, he... (laughs) He cheated the game Risk. By the way, there's about 4 million pieces to the game of Risk. They're all on the board. I got mad enough, and I put my hands underneath the board, and I said, if you don't take back that move and do it the right way, you little cheater, I'm going to flip the board. And he goes, go ahead. Right? And I looked at my dad, and my dad gave one of these. (laughs) Which I took as go ahead. I'm 15 years old, I flip the board, stand up. Next thing I know, my dad is on top of me and he's giving me a bare bottom spanking at 15. (laughs) Now let me tell you what I think about that. That was wrong. And it was dehumanizing. And there were other ways he should have handled it. First of all, he said, I wouldn't flip that board if I was you. That would have been a nice, right? But it was wrong of him to do that. It was the wrong kind of discipline. But you know what my dad was doing? The best he knew how. And there's a little bit i got to back up and just go, yeah, he didn't do a great job in that moment, but my dad loved me. My dad just didn't handle that moment. Sweet. I got the door. He's got my red butt. Those are the two things that we have (laughs) to look back on and go, glad there's no video. By the way, I'm glad about no video for both as I think about it. (laughs) Boy, tomorrow's message is going (laughs) to (laughs) change. But God's discipline, God's discipline is always good for us. Our fathers did the best they knew how. This is what he's saying. Our fathers did the best they knew how, but it was obviously not good enough. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. In that verse right there is the purpose of parenting, right? To share in holiness. Holiness is character. It doesn't mean we're going to be just like God and, and all of a sudden, woo, woo, I'm holy. And we hear little halos and all It doesn't mean that. It means we're going to share in the character of God. We're going to be a little bit more like Him. We're going to become better people, more truthful and honest and gracious and forgiving and loving, all those great things about God. It's His character in us. That is what God is is shaping us for. So when we talk about discipline, the motivation for discipline, yes, compliance, but compliance is the smallest part character, character, who we are inside, who we are when no one's looking, the kind of people the men and women our little children grow into. That's what we're training for. That's what we're trying, trying to coach, right? So, so when we do power-up, compliancy, the age of the child, we know that it, that it shrinks down over time. And about age 13, if you are all power-up, your kids are going to confront you. And, and, and they're going to stand toe-to-toe with you. By the way, this is why parents say, you know, my child turned 13. Those teenagers are horrible. He's out of control. Exactly. He's out of your control because your power to demand compliancy is getting smaller as he gets older. Right? And so you feel, I feel as a parent, out of control. But the child is in 100% control. They're just doing stuff you don't want them to do and you can't make them comply anymore. So your complaint is our kid is out of control. Yes, but it's your control. Now, by the way, you know, just parents, I'm looking at some of you. Some of you have children who are very naturally compliant. You're not relating to this at all. Right? You're going, I don't understand what the big deal is. You tell my child to do it. They just do it. They're just like, they're my kids. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. it for you. (laughs) Moving on. Some of us didn't get that. Right? And and I can look around the room and some of your faces are shining at you're going, oh man, they don't know. And some of you, God did the best thing in the world to you. He gave you one child who is compliant by nature and the other child who is defiant by nature. Right? And you have the same ones. And what you learned is something some parents never learned, which is, you know what? It's not all on me. There's a little bit of, of, of DNA involved here. There's, there's this natural progression and then you also learn that each child requires a different kind of parenting and you're schizophrenic because you're not sure when to do what and the child going, well, that's not what you did to him or her and they're, you're going, well, yeah, but that is a different child and it's none of your business. I'm dealing with you right now. And I may not be God, but I'm really close to him, so I'll do what I want. Thank you very much, all right? So that's that 13-year-old kind of, that's where things start to sway. By the way, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell 13-year-olds, I don't know if you're 13 in the room, but I'm going to tell you, if you're 13 years old and you're obeying your parents and you're mad at your parents, I need to tell you the truth. The only reason at 13 years old that you obey your parents is because you want to. Well, they'll kill me. No, they won't. I mean, if they will, then you should leave. If they're going to kill you, please call me up. I will save you. I will call the cops, we will call the child, we will save you, I promise you, but they aren't going to kill you. It's just words you use to mean you're going to be in big trouble because your parents love you. And you know what? So the reason you obey them is not the fear of death. The reason you obey them is because in your economy you go, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to do what they want, but they love me and they're my parents. And so you submit to them out of your own free will. Way to go, by the way. No humiliation in that. That's the way to go time, Right? That's a good thing. But quit complaining about it. Because you're obeying them because you choose to obey them. And way to go. I want you to obey them. That's really smart. A longer life. All right? So now, compliance, I'm going to give you some more good news. Compliancy powering up goes down, right? But building character, this is so cool, goes up. The older you, the child gets, the more character they absorb. By the way, your character matters too because they're going to spot a hypocrite from a long ways away. You don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be at least honest about it. Your character starts to take over. So if you train your child for responsibility and character from a young age and you let them make decisions they can make, their competency goes up and hopefully those lines cross at a healthy, safe place, right? As your compliance stuff goes, your ability to comply goes down, their character kicks up and your child is still well-behaved. That would be the perfect, nobody's chart looks perfect like that, but you get the idea, and we're not charting kids anyway. So that's, the character goes up as the compliance ability goes, goes down. Here's one of my interruptions with Doug, one of Doug's parental proverbs. They may not be strung in, this might be a little bit random, let's see how it goes. Love does the hard work of helping others become instead of settling for behave. Right? Not in the Bible, it should be, but It's not. Right? Love does the hard work, It's is so hard, of helping others become the men and women they were meant to be, your kids. Instead of settling for behaved, you do not want well-behaved kids. You want kids with character. And there is a huge difference because you don't know why they're acting. That could all be external stuff. You want heart stuff. You want stuff that self-guides them for the future. It's that important. Galatians says, this is what God is doing with us, is what this is about to to tell you. It says, Galatians, we've read this so many times, it's such a key passage for our church, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now pause for a moment. This is God's objective as our Heavenly Father for His children. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've talked about this list many, many times. This is God's agenda. This is what he disciplines us towards and for. It's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. This is where God is, is taking us. Now, when I read that list, and I think, what if I had all those things in, 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 in spade? How would that change my relationship with God? You know what it would mean? God would never power up on me because I would have character from the inside. God probably wouldn't have to talk to me as much or maybe he could change the topic to something else besides my poor behavior, you know, and talk about something else that I need to, to just learn and grow and enjoy those kind of conversations. I'm not saying all my talks with God are bad behavior. it's very few. But, but the more I am already who God wants me to be, the less we have to endure discipline. It's like your children. If you knew your children had all this incredible character from the inside, you wouldn't be worrying about them. But if you know it's all for because you're forcing them, what happens when you're gone and you're not forcing anymore? I'll tell you what happens. Go to any college you want to and look at the freshman class who are in dorms for the first time. And look at how they live. And you can go, which kids have character and which ones were well-behaved in high school but now are off the charts. And some of them were us. Come on, own it up. Right? It was us. We know exactly what we're saying here. Character develops. How does character develop? It develops through the school of hard knocks. Failure, pain, failure an opportunity. This is why parents don't do it. We don't want kids to have character because we don't want them to experience failure. We don't want them to experience pain. And we don't want to give them the opportunity. So we build safe little walls around them to keep them from feeling those things. I'll tell you one that I built. It was called the science fair. My kid, my kids, We are laughing because it's you. I'm looking right at Molly. No, um, you did the same thing. Your kids procrastinated. There's this date coming. They've had the teacher told about them the beginning of the year. There's deadlines. There's all these things. And your kids... Did you know, by the way, that the kids are supposed to... do This is not a parental science fair. <laughs> this is a kid deal, right? And so they come home, and you've got to make some stupid volcano or whatever it is. It's some, you have to prove something, and you're a pastor. You're not even a scientist. Why do I have to do this? And they come home... And so I'm entrenched because it's going to be on display for everybody and it's humiliation. And so what happens? I find out what kind of grade I'm going to get on my kid's science project. (laughs) Why did I do that? Why did I get so involved? And I'm not saying they didn't do anything. It just wasn't much. And (laughs) hold this while I fix this over here. Can I still make like a C or a B? Anyway... Why did I do that? Why did I get involved in making sure my kids' homework is perfect? Why didn't I just go, you know what? It's your science fair. It's your grades. Do the math. Why did I? Well, two things. One is I want to be a supportive parent. and I didn't really understand what that actually means. And the second one is I love my kids. I love my kids, but I don't want them to have any pain. And so I protect them from it. Do you know what I should have done? I should have said, I can't wait to see what you make. Let me know if I can hold something for you. (laughs) That's what I should have said. And I should have let them get a D or an F or a C or an A or a B. And if they would have got a D, then I could have said, wow, how do you feel about that? I feel lousy about that. Why didn't you help me? (laughs) Well, because it's your project, not mine. Because this is your responsibility, not mine. And next year, when we come to the science fair, do you think you're going to do anything different? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to start right away. I'm going to... Because they learn character by getting hurt. And it's a hard lesson. It's hard to let it happen. But we as parents, we have to go, this is on you. This is your responsibility. I'm not going to save you from it. I'm not here to protect you from every little pain in life. Because if we raise our kids to be protected from every little... By the way, God doesn't do that with us either, does he? Does he let us fall flat in our face sometimes? Because we're just like, I'm going to do it my way. Okay, go ahead, but it's going to hurt. But go ahead, I'll I'll wait for you. This is what parents should do. This is what God does with us because that's where character and change and internalization comes from. Us protecting them from that pain only gives them the message that my mom and dad will always be there. By the way, again, go to colleges today. You know what their biggest complaint is about the freshman class and the sophomore class? Is they have helicopter parents who call the professors for them. Who complain about homework and who complain about the grades? Who they're taking calls from mommies and daddies in college. That is broken. And it's because parents have communicated, I will always protect you and you're always right and I gotta keep you. It's a wrong message. So you got kids without character. I'm not saying all of them. I'm sorry, millennials, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to insult you. I just it's so easy. All right. <laughs> All right. So how's character developed? This is not going to make it on the film. <laughs> Tomorrow will be so different. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Um, character develops with failure, pain, and opportunity. Parenting pushes power and results to the kid. Right. So, so if a parent, no matter how old your kid is, you want to push down every decision to them that you can, and still ensure their safety. Not that it's pain free, but safety. Right? So let me give you an example that I read about in a book. I'll tell you the book in a little bit. The author of this book was saying that they were having this fight with their kid about wearing his coat, his winter coat. And his mom would say, hey, it's really cold outside, you need to wear a jacket. Now, this is not a place where it was 25 below zero, more like 20 degrees above zero. And there's a difference. This is a safety issue, right? And the kid would go, I'm not going to wear a coat. Well, you have to wear a coat. And I'm powering up. She powers up. He grabs a spring jacket and puts it on because he's not going to wear the winter coat. Why not? Because he's exerting his power in his own life, and he's pushing back against compliance power, right? The powering up of the mother. So one day, the mom goes, you know what? I'm done with this. They kind of got together, conferred, and the parents decided they were done doing that. So what she did instead was, she said, hey, we're going such and such a place, and I love to, you guys are coming. You know, let's go together. Okay, we're coming. And she goes, you know what? It's about 20 degrees out, and there's a breeze. Um... And we're going to be walking through the woods a little bit. So the question I have for you is, um, you might want to wear a coat. And then she went and got in the car. And the son goes, I'm not wearing a coat. And he goes out in the car and he froze his butt off. Right? And and the kid is chilled and freezing. And the mother just kept her mouth shut and let him And he goes, it got home. And the kid goes, you know what? Next time we do this, I think I'm going to wear a coat. And she got rewarded. Now, let me tell you what, what my wife said when I told her that story. She said, my temptation would have been to give my child my coat, the one he didn't bring, right? And to solve the pain. And th- that's not the right thing to do. You have to let your kids suffer. It's how they grow. It's how everything grows is against something, not just because it's easy. That's how things grow strong. The goal of discipline is self-discipline for the child I, want, I don't want external discipline I want you to learn to discipline yourself I'm still learning that but I want you to learn it and it's internalizing the values and the way you're going to live and the wisdom maturity is internalization of character that's what maturity is people who are mature they have character inside of them it's not just that they get older because not all old, old people are mature you see that tonight very clearly um, <laughs> behaving children is not the goal It's just a benefit, but it's not the goal. Maturity is the goal of discipline. Maturity is the goal of raising our kids. We help them become the people they were made to be. Maturity occurs when connections are made inside, and you can never make that happen just by powering up. You can make fear happen. You can make resentment happen. You can keep them safe, which is really important. You can teach them that, hey, dad gets really upset if you talk to mom the wrong way. But it doesn't mean they're not going to talk to mom the wrong way when you're not around. It's an external thing. It has to become internal, internalized. Here's another random parental proverb by Doug Mathers. We raise children, not Christians. This is really important. We raise children. You cannot raise your child to be a Christian. There, if there, there is such a thing as a Christian child, but you cannot raise them to be Christians. You can raise them with every opportunity. You can raise them in the context of, a, of, a, of two Christian parents. Really, it's a misnomer to say there's a Christian home. We know what we mean, but homes are not Christians, right? It's people, mom and, and dad. And your kid will have, has now, free will. Some of us have children who are living far from God right now. It is the the pain of our lives, and we feel horrible about it. And what did we do wrong? What did we yeah. raise our children? Around? You did fine, probably. Of course you did some stupid stuff. So did I. Right? Maybe you got your own door, your own red butt, but something's went wrong in your childhood raising your kids. That's not why they're not following Christ. The reason they're not following Christ is because of their hearts, their choice, their free will, and they have to make a decision. And you can pray for them, and you can love them, and you can pray for that call. You can apologize for things you did wrong. That's fine. But you cannot make a decision for Christ for another human being. So as far as God goes, we raise our children and not Christians. By the way, it's a really good thing, isn't it? Because if we raised Christians, we'd be a cult. We'd be brainwashing. We, we don't want that. We want God to operate and call and receive our children. Maturity occurs when connections are made on the inside. Behaving versus mature characters. So let me just give you some examples. Just go by really quick. I don't really need my child to simply tell the truth. I want my child to become an honest person. I want to raise my child to be an honest person, not to tell the truth. Now, it's really subtle, but it's, it's there. I don't need my child to get all A's and B's. Right? I want real effort, so I want them to learn the character of real effort and life, become lifelong learners. That's what I want for my children. And by the way, I think they both are. It's awesome, right? But... But if it's all about A's and B's, then I'm going to do everything I can to make sure they get an A or a B, and they'll never taste a D or an F. And a D and F is not the end of the world. It could be one of the best learning opportunities of their lives, is to realize I failed because I didn't try. Right? I don't need my child not to swear. I want my child to learn self-control and have a broader and smarter vocabulary so they can swear in French or other languages. I don't know, whatever it is. (laughs) They can insult you, and you don't even know you're insulted. But... I just want my kids to be smart about their language, right? Even when I'm not, you know? I don't want my child to avoid, excuse me, I don't want my child to avoid a tantrum at the store, right? So I don't just want them to do that. I do want them to avoid that. But but I want my child to learn how to handle frustration, delay gratification, and endure disappointment. Probably not the thing to tell a three-year-old when they're throwing the tantrum, but that's what you're playing for. It's a long run. It's It's... If you just get them to... Because if all you want to do is stop throwing a tantrum, how are you going to stop the tantrum? What's the easiest way? Give them what they want. right? Because why? Because you just want peace and quiet. Right? Train up a child. Proverbs 22. This is in the Bible, 22.6. Train a child on the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's a character statement. It is not a statement that we, they will absolutely follow Jesus. I don't think so. That's what we want to make it. I don't think it's that at all. I think it means raise your child so they internalize character and the character they get, they won't run away from. Okay. Now, can you tell that we're talking about purpose and not how-to so much? So let me just give you a couple of helps for the how-to. I'm reading this book. Somebody at church actually suggested. It's called Parenting with Love and Logic. Some of you read it? Seen it before, a couple of you? Um, I'm pretty impressed. And I'm impressed because... Not because I don't disagree with anything. I disagree with every parenting book I've ever read, which makes it real hard to say, do something. But if you get five good things from a book, consider it a win. If you get three things that you don't like about a book, consider that that's tolerable, right? You don't, you don't have to agree with everything about everybody, not even a church. I said that last week. So same thing. Focus on the family ministries. I have a love-hate relationship with them. There's things I really don't like about focus on the family personally. And then they do some things that are really good. So pick and choose. And, and I'm not going to tell you what I don't like because I've given up not liking them. I'm just saying, let's get good things where you can get it. Get good things where you can get it. And I think both of those resources could be helpful. Focus the Family sometimes has real specific articles about specific situations that can help you. Those are the how-tos. They're not going to be all that biblical. They're going to be techniques. A lot of things that you learn in that. Although I think this book does a good job at saying, here's our goal. Here's where we're trying to get to. All right, I'm gonna, I know I'm going over. I knew it would be long. I'm going to give you some, some quick, just some disciplines that I think are going to help you. Number one, always choose character over compliance. Talk about that out loud with, with whoever your parenting people are, right? Maybe it's a committee. Um, and I mean that. Grandparents, too. Talk to them about that. This is what we're doing. Slow down. When you're in a situation where you've got to do something, unless it's a safety thing, slow it down and do a gut check. Why do I say that? It's because when you go fast, you end up hurting doors and hurting butts you just go too fast because your emotions are are all engaged. And Ephesians says Ephesians 4:26 to 27 says and don't sin by letting anger control you. I was furious with him. That's why the door is broken. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That could have been a very very bad night. I wasn't going to hurt him, but it could have been a very bad night. It maybe it was a very bad night in his mind. I don't know. You know maybe maybe that's his therapy sessions talking about that. And I don't know. But I know this, if I would have stopped and done an internal take and I would have said, you know what, I think I'm angry. <coughs> I got to be careful what I do next because anger gives a foothold, right? Um, third one, conference before the call. I love this. Professional football, they throw the flag and everybody's going, well, it must be holding, it must be past interference and then the officials all get together and they talk about it. Right? And sometimes they go, it was holding or it was past interference, and sometimes they go, "Ah, you know what, we didn't really drop that. And they put it back in back pockets. You know what they're doing? They're having a conference before they make the call. So if you're in a situation where things are, and you're fired up, you've got to go, time out, I need a conference. And if you're married, you need to talk to your spouse and go, hey, here's what I'm feeling, here's what happened, what do you think we should do, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to hurry. Let them suffer a while. Right? While you're in the conference. Everybody's wondering what the call's going to be. Right? And that's fine. If you're single, you need a partner to call sometimes and ask them, hey, here's what's going on. I'm infuriated. What do you think I should do? How can I... How can I? Your mom, your dad, a friend, somebody, I don't think anybody should actually parent alone. Right? I'm not saying there should be two parents, but you shouldn't be out there on your own. Last one, and then we're done. Ask, what are we really teaching here? What are we teaching here? Every time you save your child from pain, you're, you may be sacrificing their character. Because now they've got the idea you're just gonna, your job is to save them from all pain. And then they start thinking that's everybody else's job. And they go through their whole life thinking the government should save them from pain. That's not how the world works. Their schools should save them from pain. That's not how it works. If you don't perform, you get pain. Pain is a part of the life. You want character. Responsibility. You give. Um, we don't want to give them that responsibility because they might fail. Well, then let them learn. Now, appropriately, right? I mean, you don't throw your teenager to the wolves or your, teen, your, your three-year-old to the wolves. But appropriate levels of responsibility, failure, You give them as much power as possible to be successful or failure in every situation. Um, results, right? Are we really teaching that results are the most important thing? Because when I helped with the science project, you know what my kids got the message? All that matters, we get an A or B, it doesn't matter how we get there. That could have been the message. And then faith, you know, what's important? What are your non-negotiables? For us, my kids know faith is the most important thing to us. Not just because I work, but because of other things that we do, right? Final one, my final non-biblical Doug Mathers parental proverb. When we blow it, and we will, we got to own it. Do you know why I told you those awful stories about dented butts and and, and doors? It's because I want you to go, oh, Doug blew it too, because we all blow it. I just told you the ones I wanted to tell you. Right? I'm selective in my failure exposure. Right? When we blow up, we've got to go to our kids and we've got to say, I am so sorry that I lost my temper in this situation. You were still wrong, but I did lose my temper and I didn't do this the right way and I just need to ask your forgiveness. I'm going to tell you something. Asking your kids forgiveness is a very powerful moment and it is grace and it is love and it will make you stronger as a parent, not weaker. Let's pray. God, we are so over our heads. (laughs) The moment our child is born or handed to us or adopted or that grandchild comes into the world and we get to be a part, would you give us wisdom on the fly? Would you help us to receive our instruction and discipline and life-shaping from you? Would you help us to learn from our own pain And not be afraid to see others go through discomfort on their way to character. In Christ's name, amen.